Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hello, hello. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to the Faith Radio Network. Can we talk? Can we talk? That's really the question. Can we talk? Uh, You have obviously opened up a line of communication, and that is how uh, you and I are together right now. And this line of communication is important. And over this line of communication, we pray, we discuss the current events, we bring the mind of Christ to bear, we lift up scriptures, we consult with one another. So can we talk? Like, that's really the question. Here is the headline that uh, leads me to this question this morning. China, yeah, the country, the nation, China, has um, not been answering the phone And in fact, they have now rejected a U.S. request for a meeting between their defense chiefs and um, our defense leaders, members of the staff of the Pentagon, at an annual security forum in Singapore. So the Pentagon um, would have representation there, like, great. And so um, China said no. I mean, they're not even answering the phone. Um, And so that's not good. Like, you want to be able to talk. Can we talk? China's uh, dismissal of the proposal for there to be a meeting on the sidelines of this annual security forum in Singapore, which is coming up this weekend, their dismissal of that proposal um, was seen as unusually blunt. That's the way that's the way the, the Pentagon described it. This was an unusually blunt message. China's decision comes after uh, a weeks-long effort by the United States to to set up the meeting. So that means that, you know, for months now, for months now, the United States has been trying to reopen a line of communication with China directly. Bloomberg puts it this way, the rejection is just the latest rebuff of U.S. efforts to Um, open lines of communication, military lines of communication with China. The two nations are taking tentative steps toward getting bilateral talks back on track after the Chinese spy balloon crossed the United States territory earlier this year. So I just want to remind us of the importance of open lines of communication. Um, Maybe there is a line of communication you need to reopen with someone today. And I also want to just remind us of the importance of maintaining diplomatic relations with those that we consider our enemies or with those with whom we profoundly disagree. And that as Christians, it's our obligation to go first. It's our obligation to reach out. It's our obligation to say, hey, I'd like to reopen this line of communication with you. Take the first step. Lean in today. 
send the text message, make the call, send the letter, whatever it is, send the email that says, I would like to reopen a line of communication with you. When the Apostle Paul um, writes to the church and to us from the context of prison, we consider his circumstances and we thank God for his faithfulness, God's faithfulness to Paul, Paul's faithfulness to God. It is through Paul's prison epistles that we um, are tremendously blessed. I'm thinking here of the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. All of these were written during Paul's very real incarceration in a very real prison. And he makes it clear in each of these letters that his first and foremost captivity is to Christ. So as we consider the freedom for which Christ has set us free, I wanted to um, visit again um, with Stephen Wilson from the Gateway Church about our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated today and what church is like for Christians who are in prison. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Stephen Wilson is joining us now. He is a prison pastor at Gateway Church. You can find what we're talking about today at gatewaypeople.com. Stephen, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Welcome. Thank you so much much for having me this morning. It's a, it's a beautiful day here in Texas, and it's just a, a pleasure to be with y'all this morning and talk to you about what God's doing inside the prisons and here in Texas. But I would love to start out just saying it was an amazing holiday yesterday, celebrating Memorial Day. Um, I would just like to give a shout out to all the families who have had a loved one that paid the ultimate price and sacrificed their life so we could have the freedom to be able to, to talk today on the radio just about Jesus and what he's doing. And just from a personal standpoint, I spend every Memorial Day with one of my sons doing a, doing a Murph run, uh, just in honor of those guys that have given their lives. And I have a, a son that's a veteran and a son-in-law that's a veteran and two nephews currently serving inside our military and, and uh, just love um celebrating our military and what they do for us, for our freedoms we have here. And just leading into that, one thing, one new initiative we started here in Texas is we created veterans dorms inside our prisons here in Texas. So we're honoring those veterans inside our prisons and housing them together in certain areas because they have some unique needs and they can relate to each other and, and uh, really, really uh, peer-to-peer education and just help walk with their brothers while they're incarcerated. So that's just one of the many things that's going on here, Carmen. Stephen, um, first of all, thank you, and thank you to your son and your son-in-law. Thank you to your two nephews currently serving. We are a military family as well. Um, we have a, a Marine in our family, and um, and we also live very, very close to one of our national um, you know, cemeteries. And so Memorial Day here in my community is... Uh, it's it's observed by everyone. There's you know there's there are flags everywhere, and um, our community is very attentive. In particular, I think because of the presence of the cemetery, and it's just this very large reminder. Um, you know, when you look across acres and acres and acres of beautiful white stone um, markers, and you consider not only the life of each of those individuals, but as you have noted, their families as well. And so again, a deep, um, a, a deep sense of gratitude 
toward those of you who are in Gold Star families. We, um, we acknowledge your loss and we acknowledge um, the gift that your family has made um, to the freedoms that we now enjoy. Um, Stephen, when you talk about ministry inside the context of, um, of a prison, can you, can you just talk with us a little bit about that vision um, you know, the, of Gateway Church for this kind of ministry? And just remind, because there are people listening this time who haven't heard us talk before, remind us um, you know, about the story of how this has developed and then give us a sense of where it's at now. Sure, I would love to. It's it's amazing to watch what the Holy Spirit is doing inside the prisons here in Texas and just the revival we're seeing all across our state in prisons. And we're holding multiple revivals in, in prisons. And, and we love going to the darkest prison there is where Satan really thinks he's got a stronghold. And we just go in there and bring in a light to that dark place. And we're seeing so many men just and women just saved and healed and set free and then now they're becoming discipled and equipped and serving. Um, it just really comes down from our, our state leadership. Uh, we just enact the vision that our, our governor has for the prisons, as well as our senior pastor, Pastor Robert Morris. His vision for starting the prison ministry was actually to plant a gateway church inside prisons. And so what I did was I went in and evaluated prisons and, and brought about the aspect that every prison is a community. Okay, it's made up of the staff, the the off the correctional officers, the inmates, you know, and there's electricians and plumbers and carpenters and landscapers. There's everything inside a prison. And and Pastor Robert's heart is when we plant a gateway church in a community, we want that community to be different because gateway is a part of it. So that's the way we looked at prisons. And so we started planting churches inside prisons, and we currently just launched our sixth campus inside. And we have our seventh campus that's going to launch this fall, and it will be our first female facility, which we're really excited about that. And then next January, we'll launch our eighth and just continuing on. And we're just seeing men and women just come alive inside the body of Christ and utilize their leadership and skills to serve inside. And, and Carmen, what makes us a little different than the normal church that goes inside is most churches, when they think about prison ministry, they think, okay, we're going to have to get a large group of volunteers together and take that large group of volunteers in to lead the service and do those things. Here at Gateway, what we decided to do was to actually go in and train the inmates on how to be leaders in their church and let them run the church. And so we bring in the structure and the things from Gateway inside, but then we take our training inside and train these men to be leaders in I, I say all the time when we go into a prison, I want to train them to be leaders in their home, leaders in their marriage, leaders in their church, leaders in their workplace, and leaders in their community. So everything we do inside, we focus around building those leaders because they have so many gifts and callings that the that the Holy Spirit has placed upon them. And we want them to step out in those gifts and be able to serve and do things inside their prisons. So that's what it is. We look like it. We just look at that community as a mission field. And how are we going to make an impact in that community? Yeah, a mission field for church planting, which is a totally different way of of seeing it. We're talking with Stephen Wilson. He's the prison pastor for Gateway Church. You can find what we're talking about at gatewaypeople.com. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. I'm going to ask Stephen, Stephen to talk with us about how um, those on the inside begin to see themselves differently um, through this process of becoming 
church planters and church leaders within the context of a prison. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Continuing our conversation with Pastor Stephen Wilson. He serves as the prison pastor for Gateway Church. You can find um, lots of information about this, and I know you're going to want to, at gatewaypeople.com. So you've got six campuses right now in the context of prisons in the state of Texas. You've got another campus launching this fall and then... um, and then another uh, in the spring. So this is a growing enterprise. Um, talk with us, Stephen, about the transformation that you've seen in terms of the way incarcerated individuals see themselves as you help them become church planters and church leaders inside the context of a prison. For sure. I, I love the fact that we're able to bridge the gap between the prisons and the church. Okay, so we're bringing the church in and creating them to be leaders but now when they get out, they're coming back to our communities and they're starting to serve in our local congregations and our local campuses here. So the way we just set up structurally, Carmen, is I've got each one of our gateway campuses out here in the world that has adopted a prison. So they have a connection to that one campus and now they're pouring resources into that one campus. And it's really, like I said, bridging the gap between them because when they're inside prison, their identity is really caught up in their number. And so I I like to use the phrase, every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to Jesus. Hmm. So we go in there and and humanize them and take that identity away from them, that they're not a number. You know, they are a believer in Christ, and he died for them and wants them to step out inside their giftings. I think so many of them have lost hope and think people have written them off. The community doesn't want them. You know, they're kind of shunned. Sometimes I like to say they're the modern day leper when they come back out. But here at Gateway, we've really embraced them and we're bringing them in. And so we've made them a, a real person, if you want to say it like that. I, I said, we're moving to this women's unit. And I told my women's pastor, I said, I, I feel like I have a, a bunch of women that are broken into a bunch of little pieces. And we've got to start putting all those pieces back together and making them whole. So when they step out of prison, they're going to be a vital piece of our community. You know, today's inmate is tomorrow's neighbor. Mm-hmm. So I say, why wouldn't we want to be in there right now where they are when we joke around that we have a captive audience? No, but really talking to them about their giftings and who they are in Christ. So then when they come out to our communities, they're a vital part of our society and really step out and are excited to come back. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fear for these folks when they get released about what am I going to do? Is anybody going to accept me? Is anybody going to help me? Does anybody even care? So we're going in there before they ever get out and saying, yeah, Gateway Church loves you. We want to put our arms around you and walk with you through this journey. And for so many of them, they've never had a church or just a a Christian organization, you know, take them by the hand and say, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to be with you from the beginning and we're going to walk this together. I think that the um, knitting in the, um, not treating this as something we go and do, but the the knit togetherness of of it is so important um, and such a beautiful demonstration of what it means to be the body of Christ, um, recognizing that 
every member is an integral part of that body. And it's not as if we've got some body parts that we've, you know, cut off and they're over there. No, I mean, it's an integral knitted together body. And that's unusual, Stephen. I I mean, I don't, I I suspect you know how unusual it is, um, but I want to say it out loud. That's unusual. Yes, it is. It's just, it's such an honor and a blessing to be a part of this and to see God move inside these lives. Because like I said, we're going in and training these men and women how to be leaders in their church. So we're teaching them of all aspects of how to be a leader in the church. So we're training them how to be greeters, how to be ushers, how to do altar prayer time, you know, how to do live production and sound and video and how to lead worship. We take in all of our training material inside and train those inmates on those vital parts of church leadership. And they step out in that while they're still incarcerated. But now when they get out and they're released to any community around our state, they can step into their church leadership and say, hey, I've been serving inside a gateway church while I've been in another community. And so I would love to be a part of this congregation and serve. And here's some of my skills. And here's who I am in Christ. And here's my identity. And and just step out in that. And it just bridges that gap and really makes them a vital part of our community. I, I love, Carmen, the way it's changed our staff here at Gateway since we started prison ministry. In the past, a lot of times, uh, we would get caught up when we would see somebody walk in the front doors that look different than us and immediately getting on the radio or going to grabbing security and saying, hey, there's somebody different coming through the door. We need to watch that person. You know, I think we all get caught up in that. But now our staff, when they see somebody walking in that, their mindset has changed that, hey, that guy might have just been changing from one of our prison campuses. And now they go and greet them at the door, love on them. And we've created a whole initiative for our staff is just swarming these men and women coming in that look different and now putting the love of Christ in their arm around them, just saying, hey, we are here to walk this with you. Um, I, I love to talk about we, we're not worried about people's past. I'm worried about where you are today and where you are in your future. How can I help you become the man or the woman God's called you to be? Mm, I love that. Can we pray for you this morning? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Father, I want to thank you for our brother, Stephen. I want to thank you for um, the vision for this ministry. Um, I want to thank you for the Gateway Church and its leadership. I want to thank you for each one of the men and women who are not only being served, but now serving you through the way that Gateway has initiated and now partners with, continues to develop these congregations within the context of of prisons. Father, we would ask that your hand of blessing would be upon them, that you would guide, protect, direct, multiply, strengthen. Father, that you would pour out all of the resources that are necessary for the accomplishing of your will in and through this ministry. Father, thank you. Thank you for the men and women, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, who are being knit purposefully together into the body of Christ in this generation, regardless of their past um, and, and their present context. We thank you, Father, that we are one in the Spirit and one in the Lord, and that you are the God and Father of us all. Grant that we might see one another in the way that you see us, and that we might work together in this generation, um, accomplishing the good works that you have planned in advance for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stephen, 
Thank you so much. Please um, pass along our greetings to our brothers and sisters in places where, you know, most of us will never set foot. Um, and certainly um, pass along our greetings and our gratitude to the rest of the folks um, uh, at, at Gateway um, throughout throughout this ministry and tell them that we uh, we love them and we appreciate what we see happening there. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show this morning, Carmen. It was a, a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you so much. Again, you guys can um, check out what's happening. You can connect. You can learn how to multiply this kind of ministry in your own community. Visit gatewaypeople.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. We all know that God tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in prayer to give it all to him. So how's that going for you? Yeah, we live in a world in the midst of an anxiety epidemic, and we're not free of it either. And just acknowledging that there's so much anxiety makes us more anxious. So what are we going to do with all that? Anxiety is now the most common mental illness in the United States. But I've got good news for you. Into the reality of this anxiety epidemic, uh, Curtis Chang speaks. He speaks words of light and life. The book is The Anxiety Opportunity. He joins us next to explore how we must learn to think differently about the relationship between anxiety and growth in order that you and I can see anxiety not as a threat, but as a spiritual opportunity. The Anxiety Opportunity, up next, here on Mornings with Carmen. Curtis Chang is joining us now. He is the author of The Anxiety Opportunity, How Worry is the Doorway to Your Best Self. Um, You probably know Curtis. Um, You may know him as the co-host of Good Faith, a podcast uh, with our friend David French, who now spends more time uh, writing for the New York Times and less time on the Good Faith podcast, but that means you can hear Curtis more. And so I commend that to you as well. Curtis is a theologian and consulting faculty member of Duke Divinity School and a senior fellow at Fuller Theological Seminary. He writes and speaks um, across a wide range of media. And um, and I think that he would be quick to share with you in the context of this conversation. He is uh, he suffers with chronic anxiety. Curtis, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. It's great to be here. And uh, it's, a, it's an honor. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, I am a good faith listener. So uh, there you go. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, I don't always agree, but I think that's part of the point. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Talk with us. Um, what do you know about anxiety? I know a great deal about anxiety. and I know it firsthand. Uh, I am somebody who's suffered from anxiety uh, most of my life. And, uh, you know, you didn't note in my bio there, Carmen, but you could also say I'm a former senior pastor of an evangelical covenant church in California with the underline on the former. And the reason there's a former there is anxiety, a devastating episode of anxiety actually ended my career as a pastor. And I write about that in my book because I I do want to emphasize that in a book called The Anxiety Opportunity, uh, it's written from somebody who knows the pain, the problem of anxiety. So I'm not saying anxiety is not a problem but I do have some really good news that it's not just a problem. It's also one of the most profound opportunities for spiritual growth. 
So Curtis, I became aware of um, the anxiety uh, opportunity as a course before I understood that it was a book. So can you talk a little bit about maybe the connection between those two? Um, there's probably people listening right now not familiar with redeem, Redeeming Babel, which I'll direct people to, redeemingbabel.org. Um, can you just kind of talk about the development of this book? Because I feel like it grew out of the course. It absolutely did. And the course grew out of the pandemic. So uh, in April 2020, um, as the pandemic was sweeping through our church and our country, I realized that it was accompanied by not just the virus, but the mental virus of, of anxiety. And that it was, I realized that a lot of Christians were both struggling with anxiety and struggling with thinking and responding to anxiety solely as if it was a problem. In, in some cases, even as a sin, uh, that they were beating themselves up because like, I'm so worried, I, I know I'm, I'm lacking faith and so forth. And so I uh, have been thinking uh, about anxiety a lot, reflecting on it biblically because of how much it's affected my life. And I wanted to get something out there that would help Christians reframe anxiety. So I created a video course just to, to initially just to help people in my church, but then it spread and got more and more adoption. And uh, that's when I realized, wow, this is meeting a need out there. And then people began asking me for to, to write a book because they found the course helpful, but they wanted to engage with the material in other formats as well. And so finally I decided, and, and the funny thing is that um, when I started writing the book, I thought, well, I'll just turn the, the course into a book and, you know, just take the script and basically I'll have a book. And it turned out about 80% of the book is new material because one of the things that happens, um, I think one of the gifts that God gives an author when they write a book is that, you know, God says, look, I have actually more in you that I've implanted that uh, I want you to draw out. So it's been a wonderful experience to to tell more stories, to have more research, to talk about more scripture. Um, so I've gotten a great deal out of the process of running a book. Yeah, I felt like it went from like five or six main things to, you know, 15 or 16. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's it's definitely an expanded uh, conversation. We're talking about the anxiety opportunity, how worry is the doorway to your best self. Curtis Chang is the author. Um, and he's also the host of the Good Faith podcast, which I absolutely commend to you as well. Um, when we talk about anxiety, Curtis, I know that there are people listening who fall into that camp that you already partially described, um, who view those who suffer with anxiety as, well, you know what, that's just that's just unrepentant sin. That's just them not doing what the Bible says, which is casting it all on the Lord. What do people who don't suffer with anxiety need to know about those who do? Well, I think that they actually suffer from a great deal of shame because of it, precisely because of this narrative that anxiety is a sin. And I, this is why I take pains in the first couple chapters of my book to really tackle that head on, especially that central verse that you uh, refer to, Philippians 4, 6, which is used often as the verse, the one verse, really, that, that says, oh, I'm not supposed to be anxious. And so <laughs> I won't go into the sort of uh, exegesis of that, uh, that particular verse. That's You can buy the book and read that. But basically, uh, I think that's a complete misreading of Philippians 4, 6. The real quick answer to anybody who thinks that is that uh, just look at Philippians 2.28, just a few passages earlier, where Paul, without a trace of self-condemnation, without a trace of shame, 
talks to the Philippians about how anxious he is. He's anxious to mm-hmm. them. He says those exact words. I'm anxious uh, because of uh, his Epaphroditus and what's his his travels, whether he'll return to him and so forth. So it would be very odd if Paul, having just talked about how anxious he is, meant by Philippians 4, 6 to say, hey, anxiety is a sin. You shouldn't feel that way, which is not what the verse says. The verse simply says that it's encouraging people, don't be anxious, pray, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice he doesn't say, and you will never feel anxious again. He's saying, however, all of what you're experiencing will be guarded in Christ Jesus. And so uh, this is where we really have to realize that anxiety is actually a natural human condition, that even Jesus himself experienced anxiety. The Gospels go out of their way to show that Jesus, especially when he was facing loss, uh, most especially in the in the passages around the Garden of Gethsemane, himself experienced all the symptoms of anxiety, showing it's a human experience. This is so good. I feel, um, Curtis, like we could have a conversation that would be similar around the topic of fear or fearing mm. not. Um, because, right, I mean, there's, there's sort of the reality um, – of fear that we experience, and that can produce anxiety or depression or all kinds of things. But, you know, fear is the underlying concern um, in some cases. And then we look at what Scripture says about that, and, you know, it's not as if God's people haven't experienced and don't experience the reality of fear. That's why they, you know, God's got to tell us to fear not so often. And then there's this totally righteous fear of the Lord, um, that we ought to have all the time in this awe. And so I think this is a good conversation in terms of reframing the way we think about anxiety um, when you talk about it being a surprising opportunity. Can you talk about the how? Like, how can I move from seeing anxiety um, as a threat to actually seeing it as an opportunity for spiritual growth? Like, what's the how? Well, there's a, uh, several steps of how, but I'll give you one as an example that's found in the book. Uh, you talked about fear. Well, so the, the relationship between fear and anxiety is really of time horizon. So fear is something that we are reacting to right now. There's a tiger in front of us. Uh, we're going to be afraid. We naturally should be afraid. Our bodies are wired to be afraid because it's our body wiring us for activity. What anxiety is, is fear in the future. It's fear of some potential loss we may experience in the future. So what happens is what the difference between fear and anxiety is anxiety has hijacked us into the future where we are confronting uh, fears of loss that may happen, that could happen, that's potential. And so we're actually getting hijacked in the future and rehearsing all of these um, fears of loss that aren't happening right now. They're happening in the future. Uh, This is why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, look, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough to worry for itself. Come back to today. And that's really what uh, is one very immediate practical step to take advantage of anxiety is anxiety is a signal. It's a sign to you, hey, you're getting hijacked in the future. You're living in the future. So it's an invitation to be present, to come to the now. And my book talks about a variety of different ways that you can come present through being present in nature, like the Sermon on the Mount talks about looking, looking, really paying attention to the birds, to the sky, to the grass, Um, and especially being present to God, being present in the here and now, because, you know, we can't develop any relationship with anyone, God included, 
by just living in the future. Like think about your relationship with your child, for instance. If you're not present right now to what your child is experiencing and you're instead living in the future somewhere, you're not developing a relationship with your child because relationships only develop in the here and now. So an anxiety is a little bit of a sign that says, wait, you're you're actually, you've, you've gotten lost. You're drifting away into the future. And there are a variety of practical steps that I talk about from getting present in nature to things like mindful breathing to doing to physical moves you can uh, do with your body to anchor yourself back in the present and then in that present moment be present to god so that's just one example and there are many many more but it's one way that we start by resisting the hijack to the future getting present to the now and that opens a doorway to getting present to God. We're going to continue our conversation with Curtis Chang here in just a moment. Um, The Hijack is chapter three uh, in the book, The Anxiety Opportunity, How Worry is the Doorway to Your Best Self. Do you see anxiety as a threat or do you embrace it as a spiritual opportunity? Like, what are you doing with your anxiety? Um, How are you grounding yourself in the present? How are you reframing uh, anxiety in your mind um, based on what God has said, what God has promised, who you know God to be. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Curtis Chang about his new book, The Anxiety Opportunity, How Worry is the Doorway to Your Best Self. Um, You may also connect with Curtis at redeemingbabble.org. I commend to you uh, the Good Faith podcast, which he hosts. Um, And um, and then he's got an upcoming project uh, with our friend Russell Moore that I want him to tell us about as well, and that's called The After Party. Um, can you brief us in on that? I know it's a little off topic, but I do want um, I do want our listeners to hear about the after party. It's actually not off topic. Uh, you could think of the after party as trying to address anxiety in politics, because really, why why our politics is so messed up on both sides is because really we are all fueled with anxiety. It's it's our our politics are soaked by anxiety. Again, if we think of anxiety as the fear of some future loss. Uh, Really, that I I think a lot of our politics right now is just galvanizing, just stimulating people's fear of loss and and, uh, building our politics off of that. And so there's an intimate connection between the ways in which we are responding poorly to anxiety with the ways we're responding poorly to to politics. And in particular, what the project, this after party, which is uh, being led with by David French, Russell Moore, and myself, is trying to help Christians realize that our answer to our anxieties is not to be found in partisan politics. Uh, We're really calling people to actually place our faith 
and our ultimate allegiance in Jesus, especially around the how we do politics. This is not about uh, prescribing how you should vote or what positions you should take. It's trying to help Christians realize, actually, in the here now, in the present reality, Jesus calls us first and foremost to a faithfulness to a certain set of hows uh, in politics, namely things like loving your enemy, forgiving, humility, truth, all of these actual hows that apply both to left and right, you know, Republican or Democrat. Um, and actually, our, our, one of our strongest pointers to Jesus and the true party, the true after party, which is the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is the only thing in the future, not any Republican or Democratic agenda. Uh, it's the only party, uh, Jesus' kingdom party, that can actually address our deepest anxieties. And so we're trying to produce a curriculum uh, that helps Christians and, and churches to reframe, just like anxiety opportunity is reframing their anxiety, the after party is trying to reframe our politics to be really more Jesus-centered. It's so it's so good. It's so helpful. We look forward to um, that ongoing conversation as well. If you guys want to connect directly with material related to the after party, you can do so at uh, redeemingbabble.org, um, and you're going to look for the project uh, that is called the after party. Um, back to uh, the anxiety opportunity, specifically the book. Um, I think that when we we get to sort of the end of the book and we are talking about um, just kind of the positive how-tos, that's the way I would describe, you know, where you're taking us, these through lines to eternity, I just loved. Um, but I also loved the the final chapter on grieving and community. Can you spend a little time unpacking that for us? Yes. Yeah, so again, anxiety is the fear of some future loss. That's anxiety. Grief is the experience of a loss in the present, right? So uh, the reason why we get into so much anxiety is because we're actually afraid of loss. We're actually trying to avoid loss. And all of our, and, and that's really what an anxiety disorder is. And support may be helpful real quick. Say so the difference between anxiety, which is a natural human reaction, uh, and anxiety disorder is, an anxiety disorder is some dysfunctional way that we're trying to actually avoid anxiety, avoid the 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 loss, and so you know we get into all this rumination, avoidance, uh, worried thoughts, uh, phobias, and so forth, because we're basically saying I can't. It's it's intolerable for me to experience loss. I have to do anything to get my mind, body, anything away from the experience of loss, which is actually quite counter to the invitation of Jesus, because Jesus is saying, you have to go through loss. Mm -hmm. Loss is something you go through. This is what the cross is and what, what we're all called to follow in his footsteps and to go through loss in order to receive life, resurrection on the other side. So the path of the Christian life of discipleship, of death and resurrection is through loss. We can't be afraid. We can't avoid loss because that only leads us into anxiety. And so what grief is, is a pra all practices, and, and we can grieve in so many different ways, where we actually learn to actually just experience loss, to just go through it. Grief is just rather than pushing loss away or trying to get around it, is just holding it. It's just experiencing it. And as we hold loss, as we learn to actually grieve, then we start realizing we, we build our our spiritual and emotional muscles to actually hold loss. We realize, oh, loss is hard. It's painful. It's, it doesn't make it good. 
But it's not something that I absolutely have to avoid. I have to actually go through all sorts of mental contortions to to run away from. I can hold it and I can be still in it. And that builds our capacity to go through loss so that we can go through loss to life, to new life, which is the resurrection. And that's a basic um, sort of a capacity that every human being needs to develop, and especially every Christian who has the promise of resurrection on the other side of loss. But it, again, it's a doorway. It means we have to go through it first. Curtis, could we um, could we pray for you? Yes, please. Thank you. Father, we want to thank you for our brother, Curtis. We want to thank you for um, all the ways that you have filled him with your spirit and called him into ministry for such a time as this. We ask your hand of blessing upon him as he has more conversations, um, not only about this project, but about um, each and every one of his endeavors, the good works you've prepared in advance for him to do. Grant him grace, um, give him peace, um, give him your favor, multiply the resources um, that are necessary for the accomplishing of your will in and through his life. And thank you, Father, for the gift of the conversation that we have had with him today. Bless us as we go forward from this conversation into um, not only a conversation with you, but um, others in our communities where we live and serve, that we might be agents of your grace and ministers of your reconciling gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Curtis, Amen. thank, thank you, you so much. much. Oh, yeah, thank you so thank much you. for joining us. Thank you for um, what you're doing at the Good Faith Podcast. I commend that to you. If you're listening right now, you can also connect um, with Curtis and the after party at redeemingbabble.org. The book we've been talking about today, The Anxiety Opportunity, How Worry is the Doorway to Your Best Self. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. What's on uh, your agenda for today? And then take a pause and ask God what divine appointments he has set for you and how much of your calendar you need to clear in order to accommodate (laughs) what God has planned. So I'm trying to live with an openness and a willingness in relationship to the divine opportunities, the divine appointments that God has set and not so fill my calendar with agenda items um, that I don't have any capacity, that I don't have any margin left um, to respond when God says stop here or stay here or listen here or serve here. Um, So where today might there be room in your schedule for a divine opportunity that God has set, a good work that God has planned in advance for you to do? Be his agent of grace today. Be his minister of reconciliation. Be his ambassador living out um, your life as a demonstration of the gospel in the context of the world that God so loves. Be a lifeguard today. Guard your own heart and mind, but also stand ready to offer the lifeline of Christ to others. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.